I would agree with that. I think one of the main points I had before was, you know, why not just kill these people outright? It certainly would save the taxpayers money. I don't get the point. Yeah, I'll give this special. Thanks. Hello! Welcome to the show. We are Waiting for Sir Fry. I'm joined today by Sarah and Edwin. Say hello, guys. What's up? Hi. Great. Uh, I'm Jonas. And today we have another movie to talk about. Uh, today we're looking into The Lobster. It is a British movie. It is a British slash Greek movie. And it's about a man finding love in 45 days to avoid being turned into an animal. Uh, that is the world they live in. Right, specifically a lobster. That is the world they live in. That is the world the viewers thrust into. And that's uh, what we're going to talk about today. Uh, before we go further into direct discussion or, you know, spoilers. Uh, hot takes, guys. Do you have them? Who feels strongly? Who wants Where to go first? Where can people watch this? Oh, Netflix. Right. Well, so. for now, that could change. <laughs> right, right. Uh, well, for me... This is my first time watching the film, so I completely went in blind. I didn't even watch the trailer. The only thing I knew is that Colin Farrell was in it. Uh, and um, so far, I enjoyed it. I had some annoyances with it throughout the film, but I think they were mostly <laughs> artistic choices. So, uh, you know, I, I guess I can't really blame the movie for it. It's just more of my taste about liking it. But overall, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I also went in not having seen really anything about the movie at all. I think I saw a trailer for it a while back and was interested in it. Um, I like I don't know if I would say I enjoyed it. I guess I kind <laughs> of enjoyed it, but it didn't make me happy. Although I do think it has like a, a good message, so I guess I'll say I enjoyed it. <laughs> all right. Uh, my hot take was well, you know, I I suggested it. I had seen it before. I thought I thought it was, you know, there was a lot to talk about, which is yeah, one of the main criteria for me. I laughed the you know, I watched it three times. I laughed the first time. I uh thought more about you know, the themes the second time. And the third time I was taking notes, so I didn't feel anything at all. But on the whole, I was pretty happy. I in the sense that, you know, I wasn't overjoyed, but I walked away feeling like I had watched something of substance. So uh hooray. Uh okay. So with that, let's give a little bit of context, I think. Uh, writer, director of the movie is a Greek guy named Yorgos Lanthimos. Generally well-received movie, well-received director. Uh, like Edwin said, it's on Netflix now. Go watch it. Um, and I think what we see in the movie, just to speak on Lanthimos for a second, it plays a lot to his strengths. And if you've seen his other movies, often... The lens is on uncomfortable relationships and the uncomfortable bits of relationships. And that's basically the whole plot of this movie. Uh, so we see a lot of that. He plays to his strengths. And yeah. in terms of context, I'll start digging into the exposition here. Well, we should um, say we should also say there's going to be spoilers as we, you know, dive into this. R right. Uh, alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> we are done with the vague statements and feelings. Uh, now we have a quick recap exposition. So the movie opens on David, Colin Farrell. He is a middle-aged dude. Uh, his wife tells him she's having an affair. And uh, then she tells him, hurry up. People are coming to get you. You know, get out of here. And basically, he gets taken to this hotel where he has 45 days to find a partner. 
or he'll be turned into an animal. Uh, he takes his dog with him, which is also his brother who went to this hotel, and he got turned into that dog. And then the movie is split in approximately two halves, actually pretty close to halves, you know, minute-wise, where you have the first half in the hotel, where David meets a bunch of people, navigates this partner-seeking system. Uh, eventually, he's not having a lot of success, so he tries to cheat the system by pretending to be a match for someone, and he ends up having to escape to the woods when he's right. caught, where a tribe of loners, uh, which I'm going to say loners is now a word with a capital L to refer to this tribe. Right, it's and The Last of Us. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> it becomes oh, The Last really? of Us in the second half. Uh and, um, yeah, they also have some strict rules. Uh, they're not completely out. They have their own system outside of the system. And there, he meets this woman that we'll eventually refer to as the blind woman. And, again, they have to rebel and sacrifice to be together. <sighs> it's a, you know, it's it's got dark elements. It's got funny elements. It's got the love interest. It's fun for the whole family. So uh, right. where do we want to start? There is... <laughs> Well, I would I say we that s- that description of the movie buries the lead on how weird it is. <laughs> <laughs> right, the, uh, that's sort of plot. There's a lot of uh, buy-in plot from wise, the audience. That's what happens. Yeah. Yes, but it, really, the whole thing is steeped in this absurdist tone of the fact that this is the system turns everybody into these flat, dead characters that right. completely believe that the love of your life is determined by one feature that you have in common with them. And I don't think they believe that, that. Oh, they totally believe the, that. The society believes that. And everybody the characters believes it. characters believe it too, clearly. 100%. This guy was well, about to put, stab his own eye. Exactly. I think there's a little, you know, mm. some people do, some people don't. But I'd say the majority of people do buy into sort of the hotel at the start tells them uh, – well, I guess it's it's a societal thing. It's not just a hotel. Right. But the idea is that the societal expectation is that there will be one defining characteristic. I think they use those phrases, yeah. that phrase, that uh, will match you to your partner, like a limp or a bad eyesight. Um, Sarah, do you have something to say? We were about to jump in there. No, I was just going to say, I guess the loners don't really believe that because they don't believe that they should be with anyone at all. <laughs> no, I disagree. Well, I think they completely in on it, too. Yeah, oh. I agree. I agree with that. I think yeah. uh, the the loners are there out of necessity. They and I think one of the messages of the movie is well, let's not jump that far. But I think everybody definitely buys in, or most people buy in. It's not just that the the system is set up this way to tell them that. It's not just on the leaflet. That is to say. Um, hmm. So in terms of well, we're sort of diving into the deep end there, hmm. but. Um, <laughs> Well, what is the system? What is the system that everybody buys into, right? We just described sort of the ideology of like, this is what makes for a good relationship. Uh, And along with that is this importance of relationships are important. In fact, relationships are the most important thing in your life. And in fact, it's not relationships in general. It's your relationship to this one person. And, you know, this is where we start sort of the absurdity and the absurdity of the situation, which gets reflected in... Not just the system, but the acting, and everybody right. is very. It turns everybody dead. Is sort of how I would put that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Which also kind of adds well, to the humor. <laughs> I would say that's like the foundation of the humor. The well, overall. I mean, that's yeah, what the so. system. I mean, I guess what you just described is what the system is trying to sell, not really what it's interested in. 
at least to me this belief that that you know partnership and that special person and is the most important thing mm. it's never it's never revealed why that's their aim right yeah like how um, we got but, here kind of thing right but clearly in how it's represented it's that they say all of these things but in the end they don't really care i mean they have they put so little effort into generally making real matchmaking in this hospital right right I mean, they do it through a dogmatic way where they think they know the right way to meet somebody and fall in love. And that's never criticized. It's not, you know, <laughs> it's it's circumvented because people obviously don't truly believe in all of it. The, the people who have to go through it. <laughs> well, I think it's it's circumvented because people are just trying not to get turned into animals. <laughs> that's true. I, I right. agree with Sarah. <laughs> I think fundamentally most of these people believe it. Uh, for let's talking to, to David and to you know jump to the very tail end of the movie uh, where I say that they had to sacrifice something to be together. Uh, the the David's love interest, uh, the blind woman, uh, is blinded. She's not originally blind. She's blinded because she breaks the rules about being in the relationship. Right? You guys know this. I'm, I'm just giving this for context. Um, right. And the point being um, that. David then decides, once they have run away, or rather, in order to run away, that he is going to blind himself also, so that they can be compatible. Mm -hmm. Which is ridiculous, but is is sort of the message here, I think, where it's uh, people really believe that you got to have this one feature. And it, yeah, they have that exchange right before they leave, where they go back and forth on, you know, what are other potential things we could do since yeah. we are not both short-sighted? It's like, do you know German? I, I could teach you German. German. <laughs> well, well, but that well, would take a year. It's, That's impossible. It makes like, something clear. They don't have a discussion. David asks her all these questions to which she That's doesn't fair. answer. That's right? fair. That's so I, I feel that he's bought in into it. Um, yes. Of oh, course, he's not bought into it. No, I don't think she does. I think she's the only character in the movie that doesn't. And she pays the brunt of it. <laughs> <laughs> you might be right I don't know about, about the only. I don't know about the only. Because uh, John Ben, or John, the person they meet, the, the David's friend in the hotel. The man with, with the, the limp. Bleed. The man with the limp. Uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> there's this woman who has the nosebleeds, right? And he pretends to have nosebleeds by bashing his head against the table, which makes for right. some great scenes. Um, shots rather right he's I don't think he's bought into the system at all he's doing anything he can to avoid being turned into an animal I think that's pretty straightforward but yeah I think you're right about uh, I refer to her as Helen in my mind but the blind woman the blind woman doesn't buy into it either I mean I think I don't know just because he's trying to circumvent it I don't think that means that he hasn't bought into the system because he's also he also spends some time like hoping that someone with a limp is going to show up there like they had that conversation at some point, and I that think true. I think at some point he just decided, like he even said it to David, right? He's like, it's it's worth it for me to inflict pain on myself every so often so that this woman will believe that we're a match, um, rather than getting turned into an animal. So right, I think right. I think he might still believe it. He just decided he wasn't going to succeed at it, and so he'd rather cheat the system. Right, and it's it's that <laughs> part that bothers me in this movie because. It's never explained why society needs people to become animals. It sounds like an uh, <laughs> it sounds like an excuse for killing them, right? For whatever I, reason. Yeah. 
And I would agree uh, with that. I think one of the main points I had before was, you know, why not just kill these people outright? It certainly would save the taxpayers money. I don't get the point necessarily. Also, Baron D work too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a very complicated surgery. I know they have to take off all their skin and all. What I forgot what all the stuff. The they donate the blood, of course. <laughs> for the for the other surgeries. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Edwin, continue. Sorry to interrupt. Right, so she's the only one that I feel has love in this movie, or at least is not bought into the system in any level, right? I mean, she pretty much asked David to bring her a rabbit after she risks her life for him, which nobody else does in this film, really, right? She's one of the few characters that does that, yeah. uh, at least that I can remember. Right. That's certainly rebelling against the loner system, but I don't know if it's rebelling against the ideology Right, but what's the Stupid loner system, figure. right? The, the it's loner system. It's yeah, a group of vandals who live out there, <laughs> right? Dancing in the woods because They're freedom fighters. Edwin. Freedom no, fighters. no, no, because they they also buy into this system, right? They hate they hate love because you know they were gonna get killed and turn into animals, right? Even though they didn't want that, and now they've created a society where love and companionship is something that they completely. They, they put laws against it, right? They yeah. do not want that in their society. Um, but yet that's not really what put them in the situation, right? What really, you know, hurt them was a system that was co-opting love to do this to them, right? And they have not built a system to the uh, – they have not been a society to destroy that system. They've merely just taken that source that was co-opted by the, you know, people in the hospital – as their enemy, and so all they do really is what show the uh, manager of the hus- of the hospital that her husband would be willing to kill her just for love <laughs> instead of you know burning the whole hospital down because it's doing awful things. So they they don't have that mentality of what you would think of a you know a rebel alliance mm. from Star Wars here, right? Like <laughs> nobody is destroying the Death Star. Right, right, right. There's like oh look, it's the Force. We gotta destroy the Force, not and. You know, not the you know fascist you know empire. <laughs> so that's that's the point. What I see with the, with them as as a group of people, and she is not bought into that, right? She definitely wants to find love and does with this guy. Um, and uh, and David, by the end of the film, looks like he's still bought into that original premise about oh, how yeah. what is what is a companionship. We don't know that for sure, but right, right. I think that's pretty, pretty solid. I like I mentioned this to you guys before, but um, I, I talked about this movie with someone, and they mentioned like, do you think he actually stabbed his eye out? And you know, I immediately said, yeah, why not? I mean, nothing, nothing within his character would tell him not to do that. Uh, and you know, they're like, what do you mean? I immediately thought. He wouldn't, and I, they were not able to back that up in any way. So I mean, I think I don't know, Sarah. He was, he was obviously <laughs> hesitating. Like we saw, we saw him standing there staring at a knife in the mirror for like at least five seconds, which is more time than I would give it. You know, I would put what? the knife down right away. <laughs> wow. <laughs> like I, oh, okay, but it looks not like I wouldn't put it in. I would put it down. Sure. Distinct, uh, oh, distinct but, difference. <laughs> but he's clearly struggling, right? Because I think he is really in love with this woman, but right. like something within he, him is telling them him like maybe he doesn't need to stab his eye out in order to be with her. 
Right. And, the and fact I think, that I mean, that's, that's the point of the whole movie, right? Right. I right. don't think we know for sure whether he did it or not, because they didn't show it. But I don't know. I This is where it gets a little weird, because these people aren't necessarily acting logically. <laughs> these people are so removed from our idea of what's logical that I don't know if we can say. But like, if I were thinking, maybe I don't need to stab my eye out for love, I would like, it's like, oh, let's put the knife down, go back out to the counter. You know, it's not so much should I stab my head or not, right? I don't know. I think perhaps getting too Well, to me, this. I mean, David as a character was not very interesting to me. He's just there to drive the plot. <laughs> I mean, if you think about uh, the blind woman, like, you know, she definitely does not buy into that hesitation about taking your eyes out because you think that will make you match in like that particular trait that the other person you love has, right? She went to the hospital in the city to get her eyes fixed, which completely would put her against David's, you know... Well, that's not exactly true, because they told her that she was getting her eyes fixed, and she was... She didn't want to. Right. And... She, oh, did she? she yeah, okay, I didn't remember yeah. that. She was, she was against it, because she was saying... I don't, I don't know. She said something like, maybe it's not so bad to be nearsighted, whatever. And then they ended up, right. rather than fixing her eyes, they ended up just blinding her altogether. So Correct. she didn't want any part of it either way. But I also think that could be because she knows that David buys into it. And so, I mean, even after she was right, blinded, she right. was afraid of how he would react. It didn't seem like she herself was necessarily like of the belief that it had to be over between them, but she was afraid that he thought that right. way. Right. Which is another example of this loner cult going out of their way for for the incorrect approach to <laughs> fixing the system. <laughs> Oh, yeah, God. I mean, I think it's like they're kind of just upholding their own system, their own like tangential the to the yeah. yeah to the larger system, but Jeez. neither one of them works. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. why does anybody have any thoughts on why the loner leader? Because really, it's the loner leader imposing these rules. Why the loner leader imposes rules to begin with? What is what is the point of all this? Why don't they live out in in whatever? We don't know her backstory, though, right? Well, I don't know that we need I to. I mean, she's she's and... lying to her parents. Right. So, you know, um, we actually don't even know if she had a partner before. So we don't know if she got sent to the hospital. I presume she did. Mm. To the hotel, sorry. Yeah, it's interesting you keep calling it a hospital. <laughs> right. It's a place full of sick people. It feels people. like a hospital. <laughs> uh, I don't, it doesn't feel like a hospital. It feels really, it feels very resorty. Like, I would buy a timeshare. In that, oh, I don't know. I can see why he's saying that, though. It's like everybody's um, under scrutiny, and right, it's like they're right. trying to I mean, fix this, everyone. I mean, I mean they literally fair. tie your hands behind your back so you can't <laughs> masturbate. I will say, yeah, the whole thing is quite clinical. The whole yeah. approach right. to yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's the word that sticks out. Callous and clinical is how I would put the the vibe, the mood, the management strategy. Um. <laughs> I mean, you have, uh, yeah, that, I think that ties into the humor as well, uh, in the sense that some really funny bits of just people being totally inhuman, or rather the hotel being totally inhuman. Uh, like, you've got the PA system that goes off every morning, like, hey, you got six days, good luck. <laughs> or, but of course, in a very clinical uh, way, you know, everyone is um, really terse kind of faux proper and there's that horrible alarm that goes off it's like a bell ringing at the end of a high school class it's so annoying that alarm right 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 
kind of they count the loners they hunt as right. if they're just going on a little hunting trip. Yes. Uh, it's uh, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, Sarah, you you said a good point about wrapping all that up. Is that wraps all that up? I think the emphasis is not on the people. It's the state of being in the relationship. Just trying to force all that together, and you end up with people in a really bad circumstance. Um, and something that you know, I think one thing I took away is that the people underneath the system still are people. Agree or disagree? Oh, like, and no. by that I mean they are. They have emotions. They have that whole range, and they are molded and really just hard pressed. There, you know made to think in this way to that point agree or disagree because and i'm saying that because i know edwin slightly disagrees um well i have to go ahead sir yeah i was gonna say i agree for the most part i do think that they still have like emotions but they don't i mean just from the way they talk you know that they've been born into this system and they don't really have much identity um but at the same time we do see that in certain occasions they do, and like the hotel is stifling that, right? Like when David first gets there and they ask him about his sexuality, and he like hesitates for a second, and he's like, oh, is there... He asked if there was a bisexual option, and they were like, no, we got rid of that. And so it's part partly like they're... I don't know, I guess I could go either way on it. Because part of the way they act seems like they are dehumanized. I guess mostly the way they talk and interact with each other, but... Yeah, it's all terse. Really, uh, just blank. But every <laughs> now and then, it's like there's a little thing that comes up. It's like, oh, their actual personality is trying to sneak out, but then it gets stifled. Yeah. yeah. Right. No, I I agree. I I did not. I could not stand the directing on on how the actors were <laughs> asked to act in this film. Um, I do think that I don't think I can make a statement about whether they have emotions or not inside, but they are part of a system that makes them not show them. And it's represented in all their interactions, mm. which makes the movie very grating to watch to me. It makes the dark <laughs> comedy great, but the not dark comedy parts very, very monotone. Yeah, it is hard um, to watch. And so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a strong feeling to understand why these characters act this way, why they talk this way. And yet not enjoy it. So it's a it's a weird feeling to have as a as a watcher for this film. Mm-hmm. I agree, um, but I I think that's sort of where that's sort of the the target point of all this of all of it, right? You're you're supposed to feel quite alienated from it. That's the absurdity, and, right? Right. You, you feel quite alienated from it, and everyone around you is taking it in stride. Everyone around you being in the film, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that that lands it for me. It's it's ridiculous. I like that. That's, that was my first viewing. Is this is absurd? I'm gonna laugh at everything I see. Oh, it lands it for me. It just can't land it for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> for me, uh, this the second half because uh, it, it it really dials down the the funny bits in the second half when we go out to the woods. And I don't how did you know? I don't know where the the humor goes, but that kind of drags a little. Even though you know that's sort of the, right. the main development, the main thematic development. Yeah, there are some funny parts in the woods. There's a dance party. Yeah, that's funny, <laughs> but nobody's talking there. Yeah, the silent, the silent disco. It's I like do one... like. Go ahead. I do like the choice of having the animals randomly appear behind them, in the woods. Yeah, yeah. That's funny to me. 
Um, that's a, that's <laughs> I don't a lot think of... I even noticed that at all. <laughs> oh my really? god! Do you not see the peacock, There's... the camel, the llama? The camel. There was a camel. Uh, oh my yes. god! Yes. <laughs> I mean, I watched it. I watched it really late at night. Maybe I was tired. God forbid the rabbits. <laughs> yes. Um, there's a pig, the pony, the pony, yeah, the which pony. is the hair girl. Oh, yeah, what a sad moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, talking about the no, I I think we we're talking about people having feelings, and I think Sarah's right. I think that the times where they come up, it's it's pretty convincing. It's when Ben John and company, by Ben John, you know, David and his friends have a fight at the shooting range. It's when, um, well, where else? <laughs> oh, right. How could we forget the pivotal scene where uh, the heartless woman um, kicks his kicks David's brother to death, and he is made to David's try brother, and stifle the dog. that in. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> Right, 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 yes. I mean, I mean, is there a difference? Uh, and you know, he walks into the bathroom. You pan, you pan down to like cut to this really, uh, you know, painting still life of the dog dead in a pool of blood, and he is fighting it for a good while, uh, fighting the urge to just cry. And yeah, I, I think I forget what the larger point. Well, was. he's trying to hide his crying yeah, him, because his emotions, he's been faking his, his emotions of this psychopath. Out. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And I think that is one of my favorite scenes. It's disturbing. Uh, sure. Capital D disturbing. It's 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 a rough scene to watch, mm. um, but it, it gets its effect through. Uh, I, for a moment, I actually thought David might have been like her, so I'm glad that scene was in there <laughs> to dispel yeah. that. Oh, interesting. Oh, you you well, believed you could... it? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. No, no uh, way, no way at all. Like at the very when he's walking up to to talk to her in the jacuzzi, he like says like, "Is that a martini?" and tries to laugh like he's some you know forty year old in Aruba trying to talk to a fucking local girl. It's, it was really, <laughs> it was uh, I don't know. I didn't I didn't think he was in it at all. I he was just trying to survive, just like yeah. Ben John. And then she starts choking, and he sits there silently. I was like, at first I thought maybe he was dreaming or something, and then oh, once she stopped choking right. and was like, I think we're a match, that's when I laughed, and I was like, oh, God, this is happening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was funny. No, yeah. I, I think what I meant with him being like her is that he was going to actually be able to get through her killing his dog when he first uh, saw it. And gotcha. I was like, oh, geez, I don't know where this movie goes if he actually gets through this. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's a good point. It ends. Right. They live happily ever after. <laughs> yes. uh, something else would have come up. There's no way. They make There's it no on the way. boat. <laughs> I also like the immediate chase right after that where she's trying to find him because he's like, oh, I've been found out. And he's trying to outrun her and, you know, take care of her. Yeah, I got some I serious, like, like, the shining vibes from that, oh, like yeah, that sequence. Oh, yeah, beautifully done. Like, there is the no... You, you can't make a, a visual plan of, of that... Of that building in that chase is very good. Or like Scooby Doo, you know, when they're running like yeah, from one yeah. door oh. to the other and then come out a door at the other end somewhere. Right, right. I I like that, and yeah. um, I like the way that the maid, French maid, is uh, used for that scene, because at first I was like, I have no reason to believe anybody in this building would help him randomly. So I'm glad that they clarify that later in the movie. That she's, you know, part of the loners. Right. Right. 
because at that point I was like, I don't understand what's happening. Yeah, I was very confused by that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think uh, thinking about the, that camera work, um, that that was a good effective use of it. I think talking generally to the whole movie, I had, had this weird sort of visual tick where it would put the object of focus on the periphery of the shot. Like it'd be a shot 90% trees and at the bottom you have David and and blind woman mm-hmm. chatting it up that are becoming closer. And it, there were a few shots where I felt that it was being used to some end. Like um, where uh, Ben John and David and the guy with the lisp are all talking and uh, having a drink. They're talking and you sort of get this cut to Ben John, uh, he is talking to the folks to his right, uh, camera left, and the camera puts him in the left 20% of the shot, and he continues talking, and there's a whole bunch of empty space to the right. And to me, they had a feeling, oh, isolation, you know, emphasize that point. And I think at, at several other points in the movie, you kind of get this usage, like uh, when the bear trap uh, with the loners, the loners are running an exercise, and a man steps into a bear trap, and he is crying on the ground and the shot is just his torso where he well sort of a inversion of of what i just described but the focus is sort of truncating what's going on Hmm. and in this case it's focus on the one guy it's isolation again but you know slightly different spin on on the focus approach anyway that's i wanted to make sure to get that in there because it is a very pretty movie it is very prettily shot yeah, uh, that was, I agree. That was, they use that I think same that, technique that helped, that helped in the pool. Me... Sorry, go ahead. You notice that? They use that same technique in the pool. Uh, how so? When, what do you mean? The lady's swimming. Yeah. We're looking at her. And then Ben's character smashes his face against the pool's side. So he, oh, he like starts bleeding. And we only see background. this in the back. Yeah. Because we're, we're focused on the lady swimming down the pool. Like right, right on her right. face. So, hmm. it's a it's a nice touch. Very nice. <laughs> I like this yeah. film for that part of it. The music was yeah. okay too. Yes, yes. Um, I think you liked the music in particular. I thought it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I did like the music. I mainly like the music because I know it's a motif in uh, uh, Lanthimos's movies. He sort of you know uses these almost violent strings. Uh, I've only seen a couple of his other movies, but they show up. So you know that it's intentional. You know that, you know, he likes it. You know, it's intentional. And yeah, here it's used to like punctuate some really intense scenes with, you know, that triple staccato, two sets of of triple staccato. Yeah, it just, it heightens. It makes you kind of, you know, feel fight or flighty, I would argue. (laughs) I would mildly argue. I would weakly argue that it makes you feel fight or flighty. Um, you also get a really good sequence just from a, this is pretty to watch, is the hunt sequence. And you get a lot of where it's their first hunt with David. And there's this really soft piano. And they're all running over the woods and in halftime, I think. And you get a lot of nice little character moments where you have David. Uh, David just kind of does this thing. Uh, the heartless woman finds someone, shoots them hits him with the butt of the rifle and then 
punches them on the ground and it is severe and it is hilarious. Um, you have, and then uh, the man with the lisp, whom I refer to as Dewey, is kind of running and the absolute goofball he is trips over everything, you know, scared, just scattering underbrush everywhere. But then he turns around and someone else is falling and he helps them. And that's sort of his character, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good, because I liked him as a character. You know, when he gets asked, what animal would you be? I'd be a parrot so I could talk. Or, is that why? I don't know. And then you guys should be parrots too. It's like, oh, this is the one guy who cares about relationships other than me and my partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked that. Uh, I felt bad for him. He seemed like a nice guy. He yeah. was a nice guy. Yeah. He's definitely dead. Poor animal. <laughs> that's, that's the tragedy of it. Uh, poor guy. Um, actually, while we're here... Let's do a let's do that minor character roundup because there's a lot of people in this movie who are not named and who often you know they kind of come in and out of the story just to make like a little point. So we can talk about them for a little bit. I think, um, uh, for example, Dewey, as we mentioned, man with the lisp, good intentioned, uh, he gets punished for masturbating. What else do we need to know about him? He's he's basically the, the good guy, the good guy who believes in other relationships and wants to be friends uh right he plays by the rules he's bought into the system who else do we have yeah he's not street smart yes <laughs> uh, the biscuit smart. lady the, bis- the biscuit lady go ahead sarah uh, tell the harrowing tale oh god <laughs> well it's a woman <laughs> she likes biscuits she's very desperate and eventually she jumps out a second story window and wails for about 30 seconds on the ground with the heartless woman watching her and enjoying yeah, every second right. of it. <laughs> uh, <sighs> I, I, yeah. I think, you know, a lot of people are really callous to her. They don't care. Yeah, I mean, she's all. sitting next she's, to David on the bus and she's, you know, offering to do all sorts of things. She wants to come to his room. She wants to <laughs> hang out. And he is barely even answering her. She threatens she's going to kill herself by jumping out the window. She starts, you know, oh, what room should I do it out of? Blah, blah, blah. And then eventually she does jump out the window and fails. So, Well, I mean, that's a proverbial red flag, if you ask me. Yeah. (laughs) For being approached, she was like, hey, date me or I will jump off the second floor window. Uh, Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't have been surprised. Right. She wasn't saying date me, but uh, yes, fair, fair. I will say that 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 scene in the bus was really was fun from a fun right. by fun i mean effective from a david perspective because like his bit during that whole time the narrator is telling his thoughts and they are you know he gives the excuse of oh they they won't allow the dog out of the room which is why i can't walk on the grounds with you with the dog <laughs> uh, right. and for the rest of her venting about you know being desperate and being suicidal he just says, man, that was a really good excuse. Some <laughs> excuses are better than others, and mine, really fucking good. <laughs> now it's like, ooh, ooh. That, that yeah. was a moment where I thought, you know, where what anyone was suspecting, where could he be like the heartless woman? That would that would lead you to that. But I guess he's a little yeah. heartless. Yeah, I mean, he definitely. tests people throughout the film. He was asking me if they're short-sighted. To see if they, if they, if, if they match with him, just like well, he also I guess it's reasonable, but at the very beginning, yes, right? At the very beginning of the movie, he's like, "Oh, does he wear glasses?" And he's like, and she's like, "Yes." <laughs> so uh, you know, yeah. I mean, I think callousness of everybody 
Right. It, it, it just the whole film. You see this. I think it's a reflection of the system. Exactly. You could argue yeah. that kind of rating. Uh, they, they're very effective at it. That it shows up in everything. It's at the point where I want to make a list, but of course we won't because we'll be here all day. Okay. Um, yeah. The manager right. and her husband. The manager. I really liked the manager. I liked her too. And the husband. She really? of course is the the, the illustrious yeah, she's like Olivia a... Coleman. <laughs> um, what are you going to say? Margaret Thatcher sort of figure. <laughs> Iron Lady. Um, <laughs> You know, I she's like definitely her. completely bought into the system. Yes. yes. We don't know how much of that is like her status within it, which of course, mm-hmm. why not? Helps. Um, <laughs> and her husband is just sort of like there. He's just like, it's not really even mentioned much, right? So yeah. here's here's a here's a fun question. At the end, of course, we see, or during the raid in the second half of the movie, we see that uh, the husband doesn't really care that much. He's like, I could totally live without her. Uh, shoot her, please. I'll do it. Give me the gun. I'll shoot her. Right. Um, <laughs> but early the on, I, I, there was so, I, I don't know if this was foreshadowing or maybe me being too critical. When they were doing the duet at the party, the manager and the manager's wife, uh, the husband, he has like this strong operatic voice. And, you know, I think the subtitles say, in operatic voice. And she is okay at best. <laughs> and their defining characteristic, I think at some point, is stated to be they both have lovely voices. And it's like, hmm, <laughs> is that, I don't know that I agree with that. Is this a sign of hypocrisy all the way up? Is this a sign of people forcing it even at the highest levels? I don't know. Right. Highest in big quotes. Yeah, I, I saw that as foreshadowing to uh, husband doesn't care in, in some way. I don't know yeah. that those lines are perfectly clear. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I think. Um... Yeah, it's like the same thing in the death of Stalin, right? Where they're talking about the bishops. It's like the only one who cares <laughs> about the bishops is Malenkov, but everybody else doesn't care. They just use them as pawns. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I think we same... can see like these these two aren't really portrayed as a couple very much throughout the movie. Like they are standing near each other, but that's about it. That's true. Huh. And like you mentioned when we like did a quick pre- a brief on this, uh, he's introduced, this is my partner, his head is not in the shot. Right, his face yeah. wasn't even in the camera, and so obviously she's the only character who really matters. And yeah. he's kind of just standing there because she needs him to be there because that's the rule. Especially as, you know, that that is the image they have to put forth. Right, exactly. Right. They have to do duets and look at each other lovingly, and they have to do this hand motion as they're dancing, the little <laughs> duop left and right. It's it's cute, yeah, and but, it's ultimately ineffective. <laughs> Sorry? Right, but does that make sense that they wouldn't actually like each other? Because then the raid becomes inconsequential. What's the point of the raid showing that the husband doesn't care about the wife if they already knew that as a couple? I'm not saying they know that as a couple. I'm just saying that... Uh, I'm saying that the voice thing would support the idea that they're just doing it to get through the system. You know, they did it out of needing to to survive, not because they actually love each other and not because they have nice voices. <laughs> they also never really sure. showed like that either of their reaction to that situation, right? Like they showed that the husband was willing to shoot the wife, but then they yeah. didn't really show how she reacted or how he reacted. Oh, she afterwards. screams. But you're right. Afterward, that's the last we see of them. She screams for a while, and it's for a few seconds, and it's well. I guess she thought strong. she was going to die, but she is surprised a <laughs> <and> little. <laughs> right. Yeah. right. That worked. But like she, I, uh, I'm saying, we didn't see a reaction that would indicate whether or not she was surprised by him being willing to kill her. 
to save his own life. I don't know. I feel like you can make an argument based on what we saw in that scene, but fair. We we don't follow up, and we don't really know for sure. So, fair point. No, they didn't follow up with the other one either when David went and oh, yeah. <laughs> exposed John's lie about the nosebleeds. Yeah, they don't. He just kind of said it and then left the boat, and that was it. <laughs> Meanwhile, that child was there, like, as clueless <laughs> as ever. Daddy, kill him, please! <laughs> also, uh, I presume that's not their child. It's been assigned. Of course not. She's like yeah, that's 10 correct. years old. <laughs> right, so why does she even have... How does that even happen? Is it an orphanage? That's hotel? a great question. Somewhere? That's something they didn't explain Holy at smokes. all. Probably, probably, yeah. They've got, they've got a few on tap. I mean, I don't know. I would guess that they do. Clearly, the level of control they have would indicate that right. they could do that. Um, I, had, I had a... <laughs> One of the things I liked about sort of explaining or sort of relating to the, uh, I, I don't know if it's the absurdity, the feeling of absurdity the viewer has looking at all these people being so different from you. Uh, a really good moment is when you're watching the family interact about some super mundane bullshit. <laughs> They're in the boat. He's like, did you know basketballs weigh between 500 <laughs> grams and 550 grams? He's like, no, I didn't. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you want to know how much a volleyball weighs? <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> it just felt so mundane and conversing for the sake of conversing. Perhaps mundane would give it too much credit. It's They they know they should converse because that's what people do, so then they do it. And I feel like that mirror is reflected in other parts of the movie where they just people talk for the sake of talking. Yeah, I mean, it's just more showing that this system doesn't work. Right. Right. The loner leader. The loner leader. God, I hated that character. <laughs> What's her deal? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I didn't like her. She's a much. cult leader. That's what she is. And True. uh And that's there. The whole loner camp has to follow her rules for whatever reason. We don't really know. Right. Yeah. Like we said, um, we don't really know, understand her motives. Right. Right. We just know that she has this dogmatic view of what people should interact with who have been ostracized by this society. Um, and then is willing to act on it quite violently. Yeah. Um, Jesus. And For she example, her, yeah. Her relationship with the the French maid or the, the young from the hotel. Like clearly, she at least pretends to have some appreciation for her. You know, they hug, and it shows up a couple other places where the loner leader does a good job of like, I don't know, almost showing like a real human connection. It's like, oh, being alone is not so bad. And then like, in encounter to that, she like has the French maid stabbed almost for no reason. Yeah. Yes. Wow. On the on the walk back with the the blind woman after she's been blinded, she gets angry and tries to stab him. So, I uh, yeah, I I don't know what to take from it. <laughs> she also hugged David initially when he first joined them. Yes, yes. It, it all seems so fake, I guess. Yeah, right. to convey the point of oh, being alone is not so bad. You can have meaningful relationships, which would be a great message, but ultimately it's built on nothing. So it's like, huh, well, there is no respite in this system. <laughs> mm. Right. Oh, so. What a good time. Okay, we covered uh, we covered Dewey, we covered John Ben. The pony. Manager. The, po- the hair girl. Yes. Uh, <laughs> She's great. Uh, that was a good She's got some quips. She's got some yeah. bits. So it's this lady who has reached the end of her tenure 
at this hotel and it has to now become an animal. She's chosen to be a pony. She has beautiful hair. And uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that meeting with the man, uh, the hotel manager at that in her office when she has to like choose one of the last supper, but not quite supper. <laughs> <Should be. laughs> you got to choose the last thing you want to do as a human. And, uh, you know, it's a very funny scene where the manager gives her a, a spiel about things you shouldn't choose because, you know, yeah, you can do that as an animal. Um, <laughs> of course, in the in the the propriety and the the sort of hotel ad speak of oh that would be preposterous to do things that uh, that you could do as an animal you should choose something like uh, read a read a classical work of literature or uh, I don't know use your hands <laughs> but yeah yeah that was a good bit yeah um, what I'd really enjoyed about that interaction is when they bring in her best friend to read her her thoughts and good wishes in her new life as an animal and then the pony girl slaps the crap out of her <laughs> as I would do myself <laughs> in that situation. I'm like, my time's running out. I do not have time for this nonsense. Uh, I, give I me the movie. I, I think that that sounds like a pretty callous read. <laughs> I think that what, what, what makes that work for me is the, when she, when, when her best friend in the midst of saying, oh, I'm going to miss you, she says, I'm still going to miss you, effectively says, I'm still going to miss you when I make new friends when I move to the city, which is like a really bitchy thing to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's the turning point when she slapped her shortly thereafter, I think. Uh, but yes, yes. Uh, I, I don't know that it was just because I don't have time for this. This is my last day. I would not have taking time for that i'm like nah i don't have time for this go, yeah. go away. yeah okay like your best friend comes to read a letter yeah. to you and you're gonna slap him in the face immediately <laughs> yes oh don't be well, no, I don't no, think no, so. yeah, with that <laughs> attitude that letter reading that she was giving yes, i was like no attitude. this is unacceptable that's what jonas is saying <laughs> yeah yeah it, right. but to be fair they the fact they actually refer to each other as best friend and that they have that relationship is actually really rare in the movie right you don't see a lot of that you have uh uh, the man with the lisp and, and the man with the limp and David trying to make a group of friends, but even that is kind of awkward. Well, yeah, because and... they they knew each other like before this, right? Didn't they say they went to right. school together right. or something like that? So right, right. So I mean, but also I don't think yes. does either. I don't I don't think either of them has a name. I don't remember it. I, I... <laughs> Real quick, let me get this in. Yeah, this whole thing with not named. I think Sarah pointed it out. I really liked as a detail of dehumanizing people that the hotel is dehumanized, dehumanizing doing so by, for example, not giving them names or really the film does this, but yeah, I, I had another note about this, this exchange, but it seems to have gotten lost. And so now we'll switch to something else. <laughs> I mean, not, not giving them names is kind of just forces us to focus on whatever their defining characteristic is, right? Like we're literally referring to this guy as the man with the limp. Even though he had a oh name. Oh my god. Like <laughs> <laughs> yes. I called him Ben John. His name is John. He, he is called uh, Nosebleed. Nosebleed. But yes, right. it's a very right. effective way right. to to kind of have us buy into what the what the system is yes. pushing. Yes. And it's uncomfortable. Because right. I, I remember in planning this, I thought, all right, let's take 10 minutes at the start of the episode to give everybody names. And then no. we didn't. And you guys said no. And I'm glad we did. Because it really <laughs> brings out this point. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah. That's nice. All right. So I think that's, we rounded up most of the minor characters there. Um, mm. 
we've discussed uh, the humor a good bit, uh, deadpan absurd, the absurdity, the callousness that overlaps with that. It all just kind of heightens. Um, some goofy things that happen. Uh, there's like very little slapstick, but you get a couple of good scenes where it's like him trying to take his pants off with the handcuff on. <laughs> You got the dance party in the woods where they're all wearing headphones and doing their own thing. You also get uh, <laughs> the exchange when uh, the blind woman returns blinded and David approaches her and he says to her, enjoying the view. Here's a flashlight I brought you. Ah, that's good. That's tone. Anyway. Uh, I think my favorite part was when the child gets assigned to nosebleed and... David kicks her in the shin. He's like, oh, <laughs> look at that. Now you'll be matching with your parent. Because <laughs> the guy has a lip. A lip. Yes. It's good stuff. <laughs> All right, but she doesn't. Huh. That was pretty well, good improvisation. You know, considering he was faking being a jerk, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, was the other hmm. one watching with him? Yeah, they oh, were, yeah they he was walking, walking together. together. It was one he was yeah, walking yeah, yeah, with yeah, the heartless yeah, yeah. woman. Right, 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 right. I also like the exchange in the gun range where they're practicing. And, uh, you know, somebody's like, yeah, it's pretty good that these uh, these targets are just a single person, you know, as it should be. Because uh, it would be a problem if there were a couple. You'll notice that all the targets are shaped like single <laughs> <Yeah>. people. <laughs> I think it's it's not a coincidence, is it? It's not a coincidence oh, yeah. that all the targets are single people. It's like, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah, really, really stuff. driving the point home here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I, I mean, I think I think we're sort of reaching towards the end. So I have some like larger, a larger sort of talking point is what is the point? What do we take away from this? What do we learn? You know, we just watched two out. We subjected ourselves to two hours of people blankly staring at each other. Uh, <laughs> and now I want to know what we learned. What did we learn? And I will go first. <laughs> what I, know I, what this, I, I do know what I wanted to say. I, I think we've probably all got a strong opinion on this. Yes. yes. All right. Yes. All right. So, yeah, let's, try, let's sort of tie this up with like maybe our, our final thoughts as well. I think what I took away, uh, if I were to like interpret everything into overall themes, which is, you know, a thing to do. Um, we have that your... Da, da, da. stalling away find my notes you have this your system defines who you are uh even if you're trying to rebel against it makes your definitions of what your emotions are what in this case what love is it's it even at even if you're rebelling against it that's still internal that's still hardwired and i think that's like hey here's the thing that people actually do not these fake people you know not what these fake people are exaggerating is actually I think people you know are subject to um and if I had to give another thought on this it's that uh the societal constructs limit the manifestation of love and relationships so yeah I mean you've got this entire system built on finding this one person and emphasizing that at the loss of other support structures and at the uh, loss of friendships that would make these people be okay. And I think I wrote that note mainly because, you know, Dewey was such a nice guy and it hurt so much to watch David tell him, oh, you're my best friend in the whole world. I don't think I'm your best friend in the whole world. Oh, fuck you guy. You're ugly anyway. It's like, oh man. So those, those were sort of my big 
you know, if I had to synthesize what I took away. And yeah, sort of for the whole movie, I was a fan. I, like I said, you can get a lot from the laughing at the absurdity. You can get a lot from what I just described. And you can get a lot from just the aesthetics of the movie. It's pretty to watch. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, those are my main things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Someone I think, <laughs> yeah, I mean, kind of mostly agreeing with what you said, but I think the bottom line is that humanity and more specifically love isn't something that can be controlled or made to fit into a certain mold, right? Like they're making all mm. these people fit into this, you know, very structured system and making their relationships fit into this very structured system. And by doing that, you know, love loses all sort of meaning and passion to these people. And I guess like that was very frustrating to me throughout the entire movie. And so at the end, like when they're sitting in this diner and he's about to stab his eye out to be with her, I'm like, you don't need to do this. Right. And so I think that's what the, (laughs) like, that's what the movie's trying to get you to feel right. Like you don't need to focus on some arbitrary thing that two people have in common in order for them to be in a relationship. And I think it's kind of a, kind of a caution of maybe where the, the movie thinks is trying to say that society is going, I guess maybe people are, Mm. I don't know, like too focused on, you know, finding love to actually stop and think about the meaning of it and that it needs to be something fluid and something that um, can be worked on rather than something that has to fit into like a cookie cutter. And, Mm. uh, yeah, I mean, like I said before, it wasn't, <laughs> I don't know if I'd call it enjoyable just because it was so frustrating to watch and the absurd things. <laughs> I was just, you know, horrified <laughs> through the entire movie about these things that right, happened. Right. But um, I did, like you said, Jonas, I came away from the movie thinking, okay, that was, you know, it's, it was something of substance. It had like a strong message that it was driving throughout. And so I'd recommend mm-hmm. it as well. Yeah, I I think I mostly agree with your thoughts on it. I I think my main takeaway, I, I think I I wasn't too involved in the love part. I think where I mostly looked at it was what it's trying to say with this absurdity and this system that it presents. And to me, it's just a critique of all these sort of authoritarian systems that co-opt something for a purpose. So here they take love and companionship and use it to create a society where it's needed, but it's not understood as a feeling. It's It's a it's a tool um, to, you know, separate people, right? Even though it's used to bring them together, once people are separated, they put they get put in a different bin and they're discarded then, which is what through history we've done. We've used that during World War II, uh, you know, the Nazis, the Soviet people. Um, same with, you know, the Catholic Church appropriating religion for their crusades. It's, you know, it's something that happens a lot. And this movie sort of shows the absurdism of how, you know, once those systems get going, you you kind of get put into it and you have, uh, you're a part of it and you don't even understand why it's corrupt mm-hmm. uh, here because we are so obviously aware of how wrong this system is. It becomes very obvious. Um, and so we can clearly think about it. And the way that it presents the hotel people, the city, the loners, and how they all buy into this corruption of this of this idea of love, and turning into an object of hate, an object of, um, you know, of control, right? Instead of a true feeling, which is what it should be. Mm. And for me, that's why the blind woman is the 
character that drives the most feelings for me because at the end, I feel that she's sitting there and she's the only character in this film at, at, at the end that doesn't have feelings about having to fit into the system, doesn't have, um, you know, this view that a particular thing defines what your love is to somebody. She's given up everything, gone through everything that the system can throw at her, and yet she's still sitting there putting her faith into this man that he will like her and not have to, you know, conditionally put his love through like something like matching his bl her blindness. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I took out of the film. Um, so that's why I enjoyed it. I think it's a, it, um, the acting definitely makes it a little bit hard to watch. <laughs> it's, it's something you understand as you watch it, but mm -hmm. it's still, you know, it's something you have to sit right. through there for two hours. <laughs> Um, so if, if the movie maybe was a 30 minute, 30 minutes shorter, I think it would be perfect. Um, but you know, it is funny. Uh, and I think a lot of those jokes wouldn't work without that. So, you know, That's balancing true. it. So but overall I enjoyed it. Yes. Good deal. Good deal. Um, yeah, I had a, had a thought on something that you were saying, but it, I've lost it again. Uh, <laughs> as we, <laughs> Before we wrap up here, any final details, final thoughts? I, there were a couple of final details that I thought were nice. These are just, it's like, oh, look, the filmmaker cares. Uh, the David says thank you very much a lot throughout the movie. Thank you very much. I don't fucking, I can't do it. But he says thank you very much a lot to everybody. Um, and at the end, the waiter comes by uh, to, you know, asks the blind woman for water. And she then says, thank you very much. And I thought that was a nice touch. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and at the end, in the post post credits, they just have sounds of the sea, which is a callback to well, you know, the lobster, and he says, "I really love the sea. I love it." And that's minor details that I thought, ah, nice. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay. If there are no further thoughts, then we can go around and give our ratings. I think, I think for me, this is a. a 12 out of 15 crushed butter cookies. Uh, crushed by the impact, of course. Uh, Sarah? <laughs> uh, I'll give it a cold rabbit stew. Mm, delightful. I will give it three fake nosebleeds out of five. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, that's... No, really sorry. Let's, let, uh, I think I'm being a little bit unfair. 3.7 nosebleeds <laughs> out of five. Uh. Yeah, that's that's why I went with the fifteen scale. You have a little more right, granularity, right. Uh, although yeah. that reduces, I think, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think that's uh, that's all we have. So uh, thanks for uh, joining us, and tune in next time to talk about some other media of substance. All right. Thanks very much. All right. Bye, everybody. I will point out to the listeners that we do have a mailbag. Uh, if you want to send questions, comments, you know, have you got a cool reading that we didn't get to? Did you see some great details that we didn't? Do you have a suggestion mm. of something we should watch and cover? Send it at waitingforstirfry at gmail.com. We'll buy a domain name eventually, maybe. But until then, waitingforstirfry at gmail.com.